by law students for past, present, and future law students bringing you information to help your career this is The Law School Show with Rishi and Chris Introducing the new Law School Show team we got Josh, Kathleen, Alina, and Elsa. And of course, you still got Rishi and Chris. That's right, guys. Hope all of you are doing well. We have a new and improved version of the Law School Show team now. Chris, how you feeling? Feeling great, man. Motivated, fresh, feeling really good about working with these four going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. We're very, very happy to have all of them on board. I don't think five months ago, Chris, we were thinking that we would be growing the team so early. <laughs> no way, man. We were focused on getting a good guest and making sure that we put together a single episode. But when opportunity knocks on your door, you answer that. Exactly. And for if you're a new listener, if you're a past listener, we thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Just so you know, the mission of the law school show is always to forward your law career by giving you easy access to otherwise hard to get information. Yeah, we ask pointed questions to top notch professionals in the legal market to learn from their successes and from their failures and make sure that we do not make the same mistakes and jumpstart our careers. Definitely. So today, we want to ask you to leave us a review on iTunes. We want to ask you to rev to rate the show. Tell us what's going well. Tell us what you want to see different. If you have any input, email us at info at thelawschoolshow.com. Totally appreciate it. And today, we are very, very honored to have an awesome guest on this show. Who do we have, Chris? Ritu Banerjee. She's the Director of Intelligence Policy at Public Safety. She has held that role for the last six years. Yeah, super unique job. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually know what the role entailed until the interview. No, I had no idea. And uh, prior to that, she worked at Privy Council's office and also the federal DOJ. Yeah, and the conversation it was very exciting, very passionate again. And just and so honest. Exactly. That's the best part. And I think one of the key things that stuck out to me during the conversation was why it's so important to follow your instincts, follow your gut, and rely on your own gut. Yes, definitely. And uh, I liked how she talked about the importance of having a good boss and gave examples of both um, bad bosses and good bosses that she's had in the past. Yeah. And after she graduated from law school and had her articles, she actually did not get hired back, but kept that positive outlook. And if you look throughout her career, that actually did not play a whole lot of role. No, man, just a little blip on the radar. So without any more words out of our mouths, let's hear what Ritu has to say. Enjoy. Good afternoon, everybody. Today, I got my main man to my left, Chris, and we have with us Ritu Banerjee. She's the Director of Intelligence Policy at Public Safety Canada, and she has been in that role for the last six years. So there's definitely a lot of good insights that we're excited to hear from her. So thank you for being with us, Ritu. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's my pleasure to be here. Great. So let's start off. Tell us about yourself, but you can't talk about law. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I love to travel. Okay. I love food. And... Um, and okay, I mean, I, I'm not a great runner, but I, I kind of do it 
to, to stay stay in shape. But I can't run be, when it's below minus 10 degrees. I have cutoffs. Yeah, that's my threshold, yeah. too. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. I, I can't even breathe while I'm walking, let alone while you're running. I don't even know how you would in this uh, weather outside. Not, not in this weather. Yeah, yeah. this no. is too cold. No. Oh, I can't even run in summertime. Even ask. <laughs> just... I'm, like I said, I'm a very slow runner. <laughs> the, the one run I'd like to do is called the wine glass run, and it's in Corning, New York. And the reason why I like to do it is because they give you wine at the end of the run. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to say at the end or throughout. Uh, like every there mile. There is one in France. It's a marathon. And they, you have to drink wine throughout. Wow. The, it's in Bordeaux, I think. I've seen that people do that. Because that would dry you <laughs> up. And then you would have wine and you would have water right away. Just, oh, that'd be fun. You'd end up stumbling through parts of it. Yeah. I think as long as you make it halfway through, you pretty, pretty, pretty much win yeah. the race at that point, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so... Before getting into law school, you had your Bachelor of Arts, you had your Master's. Yeah. So what really triggered for you to go into law school? What was that triggering moment? Uh, I don't think I had this uh, grand sort of design. Yeah. It was something that interested me, and I, I liked to debate. And it's, it sounds really geeky in, law in uh, high school. But I was kind of, I think what attracted me was, was sort of international political issues mm -hmm. and uh, sort of broad sort of public policy kind of kind of things. Um, not that I actually made the connection when I was getting into law school that, that that's what I was going to do. Um, so it was kind of a default position um, f for me. Did you and do it back to back after your bachelor and master's in law school or did yes. you take some time? No, back no, back? everything yeah. was sort of back to back. And um, yeah, I'm just not, I'm, I'm reflecting back. Um, in graduate school, and on, on, honestly, I didn't have any, there was no grand design. I kind of fell into it, and I was yeah. lucky that yeah. I, I fell into it. Um, and I was doing, uh, for, my under, for my graduate school, it was more South Asian studies. Again, it's sort of on the international pol political kind of, kind of issues that interested me. But I knew I had to come back home and do something more concrete, and this was a better option than accounting. <laughs> as my father was going to suggest. And I Is it accounting, that. doctor, dentist, or law, right? Yeah, so being from the South Asian community, you're, you're kind of uh, often directed yeah. into certain areas. And my dad was like, because I, I, I'm not very good at sciences. I hated math. Um, so those options were off the table, the engineering and doctor modeled. So he was getting worried. And he was like, what about accounting? I'm like, no, I, I, I just can't. So law school seemed like an option. <laughs> It seems like it worked out. Yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> okay, so we're going to drill down on law school a little bit more. Sure. But before we do that, why don't you tell us what you're doing today in your current role, just so people get a bit of context and then sure. we'll go back. Sure. So I've been fortunate to be in government for almost 15 years now. Wow. And currently I, I have a team of about 13, 14 folks. Uh, we're, they're all policy advisors. And we provide policy support to the Minister of Public Safety in the area of national security. And so that's like a, a range range of issues. But one thing that's pretty concrete that most people can at least, if they go on the website, they can, they can read about is Canada's counterterrorism strategy. So we would have worked uh, within the interdepartmental community to draft and produce that, that document and uh, provide that advice to the minister. So that's that's an example. Okay, fantastic. So we'll get into more, I guess, drilling down onto that role, but let's take a step back and go back to law school itself. Sure. So how did you like law school? Did you like it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did and I didn't. Uh, it was a real stark contrast from graduate school, which was much more laid back, smaller, 
Um, and I mean, being in London was also, London, England puts a very different context of yeah. sort of life. Uh, and where did you go to law school? Ottawa U. Right. Yeah. So, and, and law school itself, um, at least the first, I'd say the first semester, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a change. It's not like it's rocket science in terms of what you ultimately do, but it is a completely different way of thinking, uh, working, uh, you know, looking for summaries, uh, <laughs> and, uh, try, and it is a much more competitive environment. Mm -hmm. So that was the bit of the, the reality check. Learning how to learn. Yeah, learning how to learn a little bit differently. Uh, so that was a bit of a reality check. Um, and I'd never lived in Ottawa, so I, I grew up in Montreal, uh, which is, it's, you know, much more cosmopolitan, different kind of an environment. McGill uh, was a fairly large university. And what, what happens when you come to law school, it is much more Canada-focused. Yeah. in terms of people coming to study here. Mm -hmm. So those were changes. Um, but you know what? I had a lot of really, I met a lot of really interesting people. Still have a lot of good friends from law school and because mm -hmm. many of them work in Ottawa or, you know, work in the government. So that part was rewarding, but it was tough. And I still remember a line from, I think it's the client. It's one of the John Grisham novels in the movie where they're, when you're writing your bar exam, that, you know, they're out for blood. They are because it's intense. <laughs> Yeah. It's very intense. Especially it's, in your year, when you graduated, I guess, right? As you were mentioning, there the bar eight, exam was yeah, yeah we eight had different exams. Eight, eight different exams, um, you know, and it, it's uh, it's a long roller coaster ride because you're going through law school, which is intense with all the exams. Uh, there's always the shadow of you know trying to find an articling job, and I think that issue has never hasn't quite changed. That's still mm -hmm. always there because you you need to you need that to write your bar. Yeah. Um, so which adds to the drive and the competition, but um, and then and then then and then going through the bar ad. So that that part is is tough, but it does prepare you for the real world because in the real world, um, that stuff doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. You still have to. There's um, I think a sense within the legal community that you know you're you're a professional, you have to provide very good advice, or even if you're not working as a, a traditional lawyer, you're still expected to provide very high quality advice at a certain standard. So that drive, those ambitions, that competitiveness, whether it's within you or within your work environment, it still remains. So yeah. you still have to manage that. And so that's why it's really, it is really good training. Having said that, we still had a lot of fun at law school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, there was there were a lot of, you know some parties because you had to release the release yeah. some of the stress and I think that was that was important too so you, you do end up with a fairly tight knit group of people that you uh, work with throughout the the three three years mm -hmm. plus plus depending on where you article so for our listeners if you were to just look back right now to your law school experience and think back at what is something that you think you would do again if you had to law, do law school and what is something that you would do differently oh, that's um, well, I mean, I would. Apart from like keeping to party, because we got <laughs> to make sure that we keep doing. Yeah, that. you <laughs> always have to. Yeah, I mean, I think I did the Jessup moot in yeah. my second year, and I think that's something I would do again. It was intense, and um, I mean, it was it was you know, a lot of ups and downs, but it was a very interesting experience preparing for a, a competitive moot. Um, and I learned a lot from that experience that I would, that was more practical and tangible um, in the real world. And it's not just for litigation, but just even if you're preparing to brief somebody, your boss, in mm -hmm. any kind of context, having those skills, being 
very precise and to the point, uh, being prepared, uh, you know, kind of anticipating the questions and answers and all that stuff yeah. is very important. And that was something that was important in the MOOC. And also having to work with different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. um, and you're stuck, right? It doesn't matter if the person beside you is not great or they could be an A-plus student. You have to manage that and because you're, st you're still going to be that's going to reflect on you. So you have to figure out how to work with that and, um, you know, produce the best result possible. So, and I, and I was very fortunate. I had really good, um, who, were, who were your coaches? Rob Young and Pam Arnett. So they're, they're yeah. Ottawa U alumni. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is, well, now we have Professor Dameses who kind of heads up, uh, the entire moody. Yes. Moody and that process. changed. Yeah. And that's really good because it's a much more focused, because before then they were, it was just alumni who had the time yeah. and, and could commit some time to, to doing it. Fantastic. What about something you would have done differently? Oh, God, the summaries. <laughs> uh, try, I think studying. I would have studied and prepared for my exams a little differently. Yeah. Um, I think you get really, I mean, you know, I mean, it, the hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, you change as, as you get older uh, a lot. But I, I got stressed out, and I think everyone did. Um, so that's kind of normal. Um, and, and, and there's that whole competition for who has the best summary or who can get the best summary yeah. from a third year or a second year student. Um, so I think I would have approached that a little bit differently. There's nothing worse than having your summary prepared and then it's getting beside wrong. a guy like Rishi and looking at his and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> am I, we even in the same course here? Like, yeah, I, I feel know. like, I, how do you have all that? Like, where did you go? And, and Rishi got that from a third year. So. Yeah, I know, it's <laughs> terrible. You cannot win. Blinders, yeah. that's yeah. what I've learned. That, I, I, actually, yeah, and I think that one of the things that, first year I used to spend a lot of time in library, second year I did because of the mood, but this year I I've, haven't touched the library because, you know, when you're in the library, exactly, you go through the same motions, you look at what everybody else is doing. And then at the end of it, you're like, ah, I'm freaking out more than anything else. I know. And it's kind of an artificial freak out yeah. because Completely. you kind of have to just trust your own yeah. sense yourself and know what you're going to be good at and where you need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. But in law school, that, that, that gets fed and it gets yeah. fed by everyone. But there's that always trying to one up. There's a, a level of one upmanship because it's competitive mm -hmm. because of the articling jobs. And that's, that's what feeds it all. Mm -hmm. to some extent. Cool. All right, so let's talk about um, how your career shaped after you graduated law school. Mm -hmm. You've written the bar, it's finished. First job to the point where we're in your position now. Okay, so just, just as a way of, uh, I guess for me, it was interesting because I didn't get hired back at Nelligan's. I had a very great experience, but um, so, so that I, was your litigate, that was your articling position. That was my articling yeah. position. Okay. So I finished my articling position, wrote my bar, and um, then I'm like, okay, now what do I do? We've got to talk about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I so, knew you'd uh, want to talk about it. How yes. do you, did you think you were going to get hired back? Oh, at Nelligan, um, I was kind of hoping. Yeah. But you know what? I think I sealed my own fate because, um, and it's, and I, I understand why it would have happened that way, but I, I really enjoyed the experience and I was fortunate. I got to do my own sort of mini arbitration because they do a lot of, uh, they used to do a lot of labor law. Mm -hmm. So I had my own arbitration and I know I did well, uh, but 
I hated the marketing aspect of private practice. That wasn't something that I was very comfortable with. I knew it's something that you would have to do. And I think I got asked, and I remember this, this is much later, I kind of put the dots together. You know, do you like it here? Would you want to be a partner? Would you want to work here? And it was an off-the-cuff conversation. And I was very honest, and I said, yeah, I do like it here, but I don't think I'd be here for 20 years. I could see myself here for five years. Wow. So I think I sealed my fate yeah. <laughs> at the time, but I was sort of probably too naive to figure that out. But you know what? In hindsight, it doesn't matter because I, I ended up where I, where I wanted to. Maybe ultimately. it was a blessing in disguise. Almost, I think right? so. Yeah. But you still feel crummy. Yeah. <laughs> and you go through bar ads going, well, well what am I going to do? I feel like a biggest loser. I mean, we were, there were so many of us in the same predicament, uh, especially in the late 90s. The job market was sort of so-so. And that's, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, beholden yeah. to that. So you go through bar ads and you get you get called and everybody's excited, but at the same time we're thinking, well, what am, what am I going to do? And it was the first time I had to go on employment insurance for a few months, but thankfully it only lasted till about April. <laughs> Your parents are like, what are you doing? doing? I told you accounting. <laughs> yeah. I invested all this time <laughs> in you, all this education. Yeah, OSAP is coming knocking at that point of time. Yeah. Where's the money at? Where is the money? So, I mean, it's, it's never fun to be in those yeah. positions. And applying for government is uh, additionally tricky because it's um, you kind of kind of go into this vortex of jobs.gc.ca or whatever permutation it was at the time, and you, you know you don't really hear back. Yeah. It takes a long time. But I had worked in government as a summer student during law school, and uh, it, it was for Corrections Canada actually. And so my, my boss at the time knew, and he put me in touch with somebody from the Department of Justice. And I was fortunate enough to get hired in a policy capacity. It was still legal counsel, but in a policy capacity. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a little while and then worked, moved into litigation. And uh, that that's, was fantastic, but it's a real wake-up call, and it's really nerve-wracking. I was nerve-wracked when I had to do my little arbitration yeah. as an articling student. But when you're, you know, you have your own files, and as a junior lawyer, you you get your own files. Yeah, you 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 have senior counsel who will look at your some of your written uh, submissions and give you advice. But you know, you you've got your own files to manage, um, and it's and, and like I said, it's a broad swath of subject matters. Mm -hmm. um, it can be quite daunting, but it's it's baptism by fire, and that's the. <laughs> best way to learn and yeah. you, you go into court and that's <laughs> when, when you figure it all out or or not but you, you do eventually figure it out so yeah. that was quite a rewarding experience oh sweet yeah and, and then slowly you got into policy roles afterwards so yeah so what happened was so my boss who hired me at corrections canada for a summer to work on the prison for women report that came out by madam justice Arbour. this was many years ago uh, I was doing some legal research for him. Um, he became director of uh, strategic policy at what was then called Solicitor General of Canada. The name has since changed. <laughs> and he, he was heading up a new team, and he said, why don't you come over? And he himself is, is also a lawyer. He's a lawyer and a psychologist. Um, so he said, why don't you come over? And I said, well, I kind of like litigation. This is, this is real law. <laughs> you know, I have deadlines. I'm, I'm using case law. I get to do practice, all this stuff. So it was a, it was a bit of a gut-wrenching decision, but I went with 
I did, I go a lot with my intuition and my gut and I thought, okay, this, this could be interesting. Mm -hmm. So I left and uh, the first six months were really weird because I didn't quite know what I was doing. It was also a new uh, division. So, you know, we're trying to fi find our spot um, and, and kind of figure out what is policy because there's no handbook on policy. It's yeah. not something you learn uh, even in university. So you're just trying to figure out exactly what is my role. But over time, and I was in that position for about two years, I got to sort of create my position to some extent, obviously with the guidance and you know direction of my boss. And I got to work on some of the international conventions and our position on some of those international conventions, like human rights, uh, conventions against torture, whatnot, mm -hmm. those ones. And then that led me to the National Security Policy Directorate within the Solicitor General. And I, I, and I ended wow. up going there. And then I worked on the Anti-Terrorism Act review, the five-year review that happened in 2004 and 2005. Wow. Well, one thing, one thing I just want to go back yep. to that you mentioned is it seems that you leveraged your relationships that you had built during the yes. summertime to get yep. your articling role. So I just want to focus on the relationship aspect. Yeah. Uh, can you comment on what are good ways for somebody who is in law school right now, or maybe a young lawyer, what are things they should be doing to start building some of those relationships with people who are actually out there in the legal community um, and to actually just learn from them uh, and potentially have them as mentors? Um, so a couple of things. I joined through the guidance of another, uh, I mean, she was more senior to me, lawyer in the, in the Ottawa community, um, the Canadian Bar Association. So the Canadian Bar Association has a young lawyers division and they mm -hmm. also have a student division. Mm -hmm. That's one option and it's been a while since I've been part of the CBA and I, I, and I stayed in touch with them for a long time and I was actually chair of um, the young lawyers division of the national CBA. Wow. Uh, you can't, well, you, you, it's a five year stint because you, you remember at large, your secretary, your yeah. vice chair, chair, past chair. So you, you do the whole thing. Um, and that allowed me to stay in touch with lawyers within the community here in Ottawa, which is a fairly close knit community, those who are practicing and across the country. And, you know, I mean, there's the conferences course that they put on but at least you get to meet some other people get a different perspective and you can meet people who are more senior and kind of open open those doors so that to me was one for me it was a very tangible uh, concrete way in which it helped me at least stay in touch with the legal community yeah. what, what, are, what are your opinions on say just students or young lawyers reaching out to somebody like yourself who has been established in the community for a while and just asking for hey do you want to grab coffee how do you how do people in your position take that? Is, is that something you're willing to do or? I see, I get people, I get students asking me for jobs. Like yeah. they'll, like I get like sort of um, cold emails, right? Mm -hmm. So normally I'll meet with them. Um, as long as things are not super <laughs> crazy, uh, I will usually meet with anyone who is interested in, in working um, in my area or, or whatnot, whether it's students or people who are already in government, because you just never know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you just never know at some point in your career or whatnot uh, that this, this could be a really good relationship from a, from a work perspective. or. Uh, and this is just my own personal experience. Government is got a lot of great things, but it's huge. Mm -hmm. 
And when you're on the outside, it can be very daunting to navigate, you know, where do I really belong and how do I get into government? Um, because there are a lot of processes uh, in place for a variety of very legitimate reasons, but it can be a little bit tough to get through that. So I appreciated the assistance I got yeah. from my mentors or you know em previous employers in terms of how to navigate the system. So if there are people who want to get into government, at least I can give them some advice yeah. uh, on how the process works. So that's what I normally do. So I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, and I mean, in other cases, you know, if you go to different conferences, that's a great way to meet you know yeah. more senior practitioners or uh, academics who are working um, in the legal profession as well and, and just sort of talk to them because they're people. And they usually like coffee or some sort of beverage. So, I mean, that's how you have to do it. And a lot of it's going to be, be based on the personal relationship and the interaction, right, yeah. and, 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 and the mutual interests. But I found CBA at least, and, and there, there are other organizations too, but it's just the one that I've experienced, was helpful for that. And I still stay in touch with some of my colleagues across the country. Wow. So it's, it's nice. What advice would you give a law student who's still trying to find their interest? Uh, well, that was me for a long time because um, I kind of knew, okay, private sector, it was more the business of the private sector that wasn't really my thing. But a lot of the subject areas were interesting, like labor law was very interesting to me. And then in government, uh, like government's huge. And, I mean, it is... The Department of Justice is one of the largest, if you want to look at it, law firms in the country. But they also have such a diversity of areas of law. You can do corporate law. Mm -hmm. You can do criminal law. I mean, and you can, you can actually prosecute or litigate. Or you can be a solicitor and pro provide advice. Uh, because each of the different government departments have their own legal services, right? Yeah. Um, so it's... So for the longest time, I didn't know I was going to do national security. Uh, I, I did kind of fall into it. I was very lucky that way, and I liked, I liked it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think at least early on in your career, try different things. Uh, don't get locked in. Um, and if you are working in you know, the federal government, you don't have to get locked in. And that's one of the benefits of working in the federal government. You can move around. Um, in the private sector, it's probably a little bit more, it could be a little bit more challenging just because of job security or whatnot. But even with larger firms, you can try, you know, different practice groups. Yeah. Do you so, th do you think, uh, just going back to what you said earlier about your boss reaching out to you when you were in litigation, yeah. do you think had your boss never reached out to you at that moment, would you have ever gone into policy? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. And it's quite possible I may not have. Yeah. Yeah. Because I would have, because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's tough, though, being a litigator because it's, um, it's quite intense. You know, the deadlines are very, quite firm and, you know, there's a lot of work. So it's something that um, I think some people can stay in it for a long time, but some people may not choose litigation for the, for the entirety of their career. Yeah. And in government, you do have the option to try other things, right? Um, so I don't know if I would have gone into policy. I probably, I mean, I'm speculating. I may have moved around in other jobs within justice. Yeah. Uh, because there's plenty of options within justice. And there are policy jobs also within justice, too. But I might have just stayed within sort of the more traditional legal realm. Yeah. I think one thing good that you pointed out, though, is following your gut. Because I think a lot of the times, given the career that we're in, sometimes people are 
very nervous to take any big steps, right? Because they're they're not sure what's on the other side. Um, but sometimes you just gotta, it seems like, you know, take that step and go and try new things like you're saying. Well, I mean, you also have to think, you know, what's the worst that could possibly happen? And, and, and like I said, the first six months when I was in policy, I was like, oh my God, did I make a mistake? What am I really doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't, the people were lovely and, uh, you know, I had really good, and having a good boss is also very important. And that speaks to whatever profession or career you do having uh, a really supportive boss who's going to um, you know give you space to do things uh, give you good direction and support you and your career and uh, give you interesting things to do but also allow you to fail once in a while because we're all human and that's just you know that's the reality or we're all going to make mistakes but kind of manage that is incredibly important yeah. so sometimes that's also a factor that comes in so you got to trust the person you're going to work for but all that to say yeah trust your gut <laughs> and also you're going to you're going to have to make a risk calculation like what's the worst thing that could possibly happen if i do this and sometimes it's really not as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. One of the things we get caught up in law school, at least in my time, and I don't know if that's changed, is you're, you're almost wedded to a particular stereotype because that's what's held up as the goal. Uh, usually that means making partner at a big firm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great goal, but it may not be for everybody. So you can't be afraid to try something new. Yeah. And nowadays, I think there are more options as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think those sort of, like the golden goose while you were in law school is still the same kind of thing. And it's sort of drilled into you. And with that competitive attitude that is pretty pervasive, yeah. you see people who, yeah. It's almost you lose sight of what your gut is because you're trying to achieve that sort of that ultimate rung. But So looking at your job right now, what's, what's the best thing about it on a day-to-day basis? Um, the f- and, and unfortunately, I can't get into the files themselves, but the files are actually quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're unique in the sense it's, it's the kind of thing that really falls within federal jurisdiction. So there are not a lot of places that I would be able to practice or deal with these kinds of national security issues, right? It, it's really a function of federal government. Mm-hmm and a function of, of this department or a few other departments within the federal government. So a lot of very interesting files, a very interesting time right now in our national security threat environment. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news. but So that creates uh, interesting policy and legal challenges. So that's what I find fascinating um, in my job, but also the people and um, are really important. So the kinds of folks I, I work with, they have pretty varied background. And being in government, I get to work with um, operators. So people uh, in law enforcement, for example, or in the intelligence service, so they, they're what I would call the operators, as well as you know the legal folks and the lawyers. But when you're in policy, you get to have a little bit more decision making in terms of how a file is going to transpire through the process. As a lawyer, you're providing advice. It's up to the policy folks to determine whether they accept or reject the advice. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's up to cabinet to make that determination. But when you're in the policy role, you're providing different recommendations and advice. 
based on the legal advice you're getting. It's mm -hmm. one of several factors. So that's what I find interesting because I get to drive things. And yeah. I, I, that's what I like to do. Do you, do you find in your role you're able to have something, I don't know how you would define specifically for your role, but work-life balance? Because I know that differs from role to role. Yes. But do you feel you're able to have that balance between work and your personal life in this role? I believe I... I, I I do now. Okay. I think that's something that's a bit of a learning curve for everybody. And it really also depends on the job. And I find, I mean, something like litigation, I just remember, because it was so intensive, yeah. right? And it's also because it was new. I was, I was just a year out of being called. Mm -hmm. I'd never done it, obviously never done it before. And you feel a lot of pressure because there, there are consequences. It's all relative, but you know, you're going to court, you're having to, yeah. you know, file submissions, it's, it's, it's daunting. And so you feel kind of stressed out. And you spend a lot more time and energy working on those things. With experience, though, you become a lot more efficient. So you don't have to spend the same amount of time and energy doing things. And that's why experience can be a real blessing. Yeah. So a little bit later in your career, when you're more experienced, you can also manage things better, manage your time better. Um, and you don't feel as, you know, nervous or stressed out about mm -hmm. certain certain things. So over time, you get to manage work life in a much better way, and that is important yeah. because um, your physical and mental health is really really important. And sometimes we lose sight of that, especially you know coming from a competitive environment when you're in law school and wanting to achieve and wanting mm -hmm. to have certain goals. I think sometimes people lose sight of it. And you constantly have to get reminded and get yourself back on track. I think especially given that we have phones that doesn't matter where you work, they give that to you, right? So you're constantly connecting. And it's yeah. usually a hard thing to just put that phone away for even a couple of hours and not look at it, um, especially for junior lawyers who are just starting up who want to constantly check, yeah. right, in case there's some new work request that's coming out. And yeah. it'll depend on the job. Certain jobs may necessitate to be more plugged in. But when you get a holiday take a holiday like take yeah. those two weeks yeah, yeah take like, those two weeks and don't bring your blackberry like or your work stuff like absence definitely does make the heart grow fonder because i find no matter how much i love a piece of work that i'm doing if i'm working on it too much i'll hit a point of satiation yeah and that enjoyment just drops off the cliff yeah until you separate yourself for enough time and then you're sort of reinvigorated to get back at it absolutely and, uh, yeah and you have to find something, whatever that is. It could be, you know, physical activities. It could be, I, like I said, I, I do love to travel and, yeah. and yeah. go to different places. Just having that separation and that new experience is great. Marathons so. in Bordeaux. I mean, yeah. Drinking wine while you're doing a marathon. <laughs> so, I can go. <laughs> what skills have contributed most towards your success? Um, this is your chance to brag. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else? Okay, so the stuff from law school that I find uh, sort of translate all the way through. Okay. It's the, um, it's sort of the, that organizational skill, and it sounds, sounds kind of stupid, organizing, everybody can organize, but it's how you methodically present information and mm. organize that information in a way to make a case, right? You're, you're ultimately an advocate, and that's some of the things that you do learn in law school, that writing skill, it, that's incredibly important, especially in policy work. Um, because you're always writing to someone for them to make a decision. Uh, that part I find incredibly important. Do you and think that you've always had a knack for that? Or did you identify it as something? I 
They, if I looked at my grad school papers, <laughs> I would be quite ashamed right now. So I don't know if I had a knack for it, but it's something that developed over time. And I think law school was an important contributor for shaping that. Okay. And also the oral advocacy, because this is something I, I deal with, you know, some of my more junior analysts, it's the, it's the briefing. So I have to brief my boss and I have to brief more senior people sometimes. They don't have a lot of time. So you've got to really get to the point. And that's a skill that takes a long time because you have to make judgment calls on what's important uh, and what's important to make a decision, depending on the importance of that decision. Um, and that's something, again, I think from law school, from uh, working a little bit in litigation, from you know doing the Jessup moot, those are things that kind of stick to you. When you're at my stage in your career, um, the other very important part, which you don't necessarily learn in law school, is relationship building and managing people, uh, managing relationships mm -hmm. in the work context. And that's a big part of my job right now. Having a really solid, and especially in, in, the, in the area I work in, trust is incredibly important. But, you know, um, if your um, counsel for somebody, trust is equally incredibly important. Um, people are giving you information that are very, it could be very private information that affects a huge part of their life, right? And they're trusting you to solve something for them. Uh, in our case, it's just the sensitivity of the information is incredibly important. And we have to work with different partners and maintain that trust. Um, and building that trust takes time. Um, maintaining that trust takes time, and those relationships take time. And those are, could be lateral relationships, they could be relationships up the food chain, and also with your, with your team. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, and that's a tricky one, because that no one really tells you how to do. Well, you, yeah, that's a That you a have to learn. learn. It's yeah. a live and learn. <laughs> It's, it's really a live and learn, but it's such an essential part of whether you're being a, like a traditional lawyer, um, providing advice, or whether you're a manager, um, you know, in any other kind of capacity. That's, it's really essential, and it's tough. It's not an easy thing to learn. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation last week with uh, a senior in-house counsel, and mm -hmm. he, he said the same thing. He's like, <laughs> the number one. Thing that's contributed toward my success is my ability to recognize that this is not a, a law problem first this is a people problem first in the shape of a legal a people right. problem in the shape of a legal issue and once i sort of wrap my mind around that and realize that the relationship management aspects of it was kind of the first part and then the legal part was almost easier i'd be i had so much more success than a lot of my colleagues who failed to you know make that connection because it's also how you communicate the information. And sometimes the person just wants reassurance. Mm. And they don't necessarily need to know all the nitty gritties of the case law or you know, the, what your, your chances of success are. They just want reassurance that you're there and that you're going to support them through whatever situation they are. Or, you know, that, or they want to know that you have covered all the bases and that you're providing them the best possible advice you can at this point in time, and that you're being honest about it. Because the other thing to recognize, and this is also part managing relationships, is you don't always have the answers. Mm -hmm. And you may not have all the best information at a particular point in time. 
But you have to either acknowledge that and indicate that, you know, these are the limitations. This is what I'm coming to you with. They may not satisfy somebody, but you got to be able to live with it. Um, at least you can live with yourself saying, this is all I know, and this is my honest advice to you. And if you don't like it, I, you know, okay. I mean, mm -hmm. we'll see what we can do about it. Yeah. It's those kinds of skills, and it's that kind of comfort, confidence. Those things come over time, and they're not easy, especially when you have to have uh, difficult conversations or uh, people are unhappy with, you know, the advice you're giving. But that's just, that is the reality. And I'll echo your, your other <laughs> interviewee, interviewee. It is the yeah. biggest part of yeah. being a successful person in your, in your job. Thanks. Just yeah. looking back at your career, apart from the things that we've already spoken about, what are some big challenges you, you would say that you faced? And what were some of the things that you have done to overcome them? Um, I'd say managing, so it's the managing people part is yeah. both a challenge and, but over time I've found ways to deal with it better. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some of that is just about kind of letting go and not making everything personal mm -hmm. and not taking everything too personally. And it's kind of stepping back and realizing, you know, where somebody else is coming from, what are they really asking for? And it's not really about me or my thing is something entirely different. So that's an important part of, uh, it's an important life lesson, I guess, but it's an important part of management. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something, I don't, I don't know how to explain how I'd change it, but it's something just over time, you just Pick have to become more self-aware yeah. and uh, kind of manage. And I think one of the things is having really good mentors mm -hmm. around you. So other people who have experienced similar things or are going through similar things uh, can give you a good perspective or give you some guidance into how to manage it. And I'm fortunate, I'm fortunate to have excellent uh, bosses and also really bad ones because mm -hmm. you can actually learn from really bad ones uh it's painful then you know <laughs> what not to do right in your <laughs> <Yes>. position yeah. <laughs> you know it can be very painful because you are having to suffer uh, through <laughs> it but you know it sticks with you and one of the lessons i learned is the micromanagement i had a boss who insisted on you know rewriting notes over and over again like re-editing wow. original changes and it's a very frustrating process. And at some point you feel quite demoralized because you're like, well, whatever I write, it doesn't really matter because it's going to get changed. So when you live that, you realize that when you're in a position and you have to provide comments or, or edits, you approach it very differently and you explain if there are edits to be made, because I, I try to keep very light on that part, mm -hmm. that because you want to empower people to do their job and you want to give them the space to do their job yeah. and you don't want them to feel like they're just a machine that they have a contribution but sometimes you know changes have to be made but you have to there's a way of doing it so that was that was yeah. a lesson learned and just going back to mentorship that you mentioned so mentorship you have the mentor and you have the mentee but outside work context men mentors that you might have how does an individual become a good mentee what are some things a mentee should be doing so that they can actually get the most out of that relationship that they might have. I think if a mentee kind of thinks about what what their goals and aspirations are, like if they're very, if, if somebody's clear about, you know, this is the kind of job I want, or 
you know, these are kind of my career aspirations. It makes it easier, right, to then yeah. give that kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just internal clarity. It, I mean, and the thing is, right, you don't necessarily know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're, yeah, in your mid to late 20s, like necessarily, oh, this is exactly what I want to practice or this is what I want to do. But just at least thinking about it and asking some good questions will solicit a really good discussion and get give you get you get something more for you um, because I mean you can listen to somebody's life experience and you can gleam stuff but that's only going to go so far yeah do the self work learn about yourself yeah it's not it's not always fun it's, it's work <laughs> it's work yes it's a but lot of it work it goes far it does go far uh, but you just you got to give it time mm-hmm. sometimes and it's not fast it's yeah. not instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, self-reflection is key. And I yeah. think a lot of people wait till the end of the year sometimes just to look back at the year what has happened. But if we just took time to do that more often, maybe even at the end of the month, end of a quarter, and kind of just looking back, what are some things we want to change for the next quarter? Yeah. And, and that's makes a at, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, you could, there's so many different ways yeah. to do it. But you kind of need different outlets too, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it can't just always be work. Oh, definitely. So, Fantastic. So we have one last question for you. Okay. <laughs> oh. The... <laughs> if you weren't a lawyer, right, what would you be doing right now in terms of work? Oh. Well, I mean, in my current job, it's not. I'm not providing legal yeah. advice. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing to do with your past roles or your current roles. Okay. What would you be doing right now, which is your policy or law related roles? So yeah, if anything. I if I didn't like okay. I think it'd be really cool to be a photojournalist, but I have no skills, so that's why I'm probably not doing it. Well, it but goes I think well it would be a cool travel, job. I guess, right? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but also the photography angle, and yeah. it's a very, nice. it's there's an artistic aspect to it, but also it can be very. It, it's just the fact that you're trying to capture a moment and then relay it, you know, to to other people and, ex- mm-hmm. and tell a story. I think that would be cool. That's but, fantastic. Nice. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> retirement. retirement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, second career. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, taking You're this very time. You're welcome. This is the Law School Show.